Who's ready to rock today, Fire Nation? JLD here, and welcome to episode 1852 of EO Fire, where I chat with entrepreneurs on fire seven days a week. And check out our free podcasting course, Fire Nation, over at freepodcastcourse.com so you can create, grow, and monetize your podcast. Now let's chat with today's featured guest, Mia Dutchnowski. Mia, are you prepared to ignite? Oh, yeah. Yes, Yes, I am. Mia is the co-founder and CEO of Oars and Alps. This is a direct-to-consumer men's grooming company providing premium natural products without the markup. She graduated from MIT and has her MBA from Harvard Business School. Mia, take a minute, fill in some gaps from that intro and give us a little glimpse into your personal life. (laughs) Sure. So, yeah, as you can tell I'm kind of a bit of a nerd and I profess to that. Uh, I thought I was going to be an astronaut, which is why I went to MIT. Um, couldn't figure out computer science. So I studied a new kind of emerging field, which was like computational neuroscience, which is a mixture of neuroscience and artificial intelligence. I worked at NASA for a couple summers. And then this investment bank called Goldman Sachs found me. I had no idea what they did, but uh, I decided I would give it a try, and I quickly fell in love with the trading floor environment, and it was actually on the trading floor where I decided to pivot into my next career move. I was on the floor at Goldman Sachs when Bear Stearns collapsed, and I saw these people on TV really struggle to explain what was happening in the financial markets. And I thought they were doing a huge disservice to the overall population of people who really had their money tied to the markets. And that sense of paranoia was just really disruptive. And so I wanted to change that. So I applied to Harvard Business School, where half of your grade is a final exam, the other half is talking in public, because I thought that would be more reflective of what you would do in live TV. You have a minute to explain your point versus going to journalism school. And then after that, I was a TV reporter and anchor. Most recently, I was at Bloomberg TV. A lot of stuff going on with you, Mia. And what would you say with all of that is your current area of expertise? Like, what do you specialize in? I speak a lot and I love speaking in front of other people. And I'd say my area of expertise is how not to stumble over your words, having just been on live TV and presenting in front of millions of viewers. As an entrepreneur, I present to investors and at conferences and at panels. And my best trick is to always drink warm apple juice before you go in front of other people. And that's because it helps lubricate your voice and it's not irritating like citrus-based juices. Also, never, ever, ever drink milk. I don't drink milk in general because I just don't like the taste of it, but I would never drink soy milk or (laughs) almond milk or anything like that. And by the way, caffeine is a diuretic, so stay away from that. It's also acidic and tea. I'm a huge tea drinker. I don't actually drink coffee, but tea has tannins, which are bitter and they have astringent properties. So just do me a favor. If you're going to speak in front of someone, maybe you're nervous. You want to kind of calm your voice drink warm water, not cold water, not hot water, cold water or cold anything um, can cause your vocal cords to constrict and can cause like a hoarseness like that and overly hot water. Well, who wants to have hot water? I mean, like too hot water, you're just going to burn your tongues. What I love about the warm apple juice thing is it just tastes so good. So Fire Nation coming from Maine, you know, apple cider or something I really grew up on. So uh, give that a little whirl. Give that a try. Warm apple juice. And to me, maybe a little warm hard cider if you're doing that. <laughs> Although I don't 
don't advise that. I'm not promulgating that. <laughs> Maybe one more tip that doesn't involve anything to do with drinking before, because I, I know that public speaking um, is something that's really big. And since you've done it so many times on so many different stages, like what has been something else that's really worked for you preparing for that live presentation? I always, when I go in front of people, I always just assume I am talking to one person, which is usually my best friend. And I kind of characterize and come up with all the points I want to hit as if I was talking to that one person. So what does one do you want to know? What does she need to get out of all of this? And that's how I think about it. So I don't think about trying to please, you're not going to please everyone. Um, and I don't try to hit too many points. I just always try to think about it. What does this one person want to get out of this entire experience? That helps me. Mia, you seem like you have your stuff together. <laughs> well, that's your job to figure it out. <laughs> Quite the journey as an entrepreneur. You've had the ups, you've had the downs, you wanted to be an astronaut, now you're not. Take us to what you consider your worst entrepreneurial moment to date. Mia, really take us to that moment. Tell us that story. The worst entrepreneurial moment for me was a very personal one, and it was having to let go of our very first employee. And the reason that was very traumatic for me was we, um, I have a co-founder, Laura Lasowski-Cox, we, for the longest time, it was just the two of us, um, day in, day out, day in, day out. And it was quickly becoming apparent that we needed to hire someone else to really help us grow this company. I really focus on the operational side of the business. Um, I do a lot of the PR and some of the product development. And Laura really focuses on the marketing, on the digital marketing side specifically, because she worked at Facebook. And the two of us uh, were very execution focused. And we realized that we didn't have necessarily the creative part uh, the creative mind. And we knew we needed to get that quickly. And we were encouraged to not outsource that, but to bring that in. And so we did. Um, and we brought on one of our, the first employee. And it was really hard. You know, you go, you don't know how to hire someone. You don't know the right questions to ask. And you're, you're asking someone to put their plans. You know, in this case, he had a spouse to put, you know, the spouse had to kind of join the ride also. And we were able to, to bring him on. And then we really struggled initially to figure out uh, how do we think about growing, you know, what's number th employee number three going to look like or two and three and four, what are they going to look like? And once we raised a round of institutional funding, so once we became venture backed, a lot of those questions became answered um, just by having a broader team of investors on board who had different views and thoughts. And what we ultimately decided was that we didn't need creative in-house and we did need to outsource that for a variety of reasons. Um, some that I agreed with and some I didn't necessarily agree with. And we had to, to tell them that. And that was one of the hardest things I had never let someone go. I don't like to use the word firing because that's not what we did. I know you're all about fire, but that was, that was not what we were doing. We essentially had to, tell someone who's family that they were no longer part of the family. And it wasn't a transactional view. Um, it was, you know, we going in and we sat down and explained what was happening. And it was really, really hard. I was shaking. I never had to do that. And I didn't want to be dismissive of this person or, you know, what this person was building, especially when, you know, if the, the person has family or kids, it gets really, really hard. And I, you know, since that experience, I've told other VCs and other founders of how I let go of this person. And they said, oh, you just need to go quickly, you know, hire slow, fire fast. And I couldn't disagree more with that statement. You know, um, 
the reason we, you know, to, to be colloquial, we fired slowly was because this person was a huge, huge asset to the team. Um, just because we shifted in our business strategy didn't mean that his contributions were any less significant or important and especially valued. And it's still something that I emotionally, I've never had to do it since, um, you know, we're a small team, but I don't really necessarily think that you should take advice on how to bring people on or let people go because I think it's a very personal one, especially when you're building a business that is so dependent on making sure that you're not just taking care of the business in terms of having the right skill sets brought to the table, but you're also having the right people um, brought to the table. Every situation is a different Fire Nation. You need to sit down, identify the current situation that you're in, and then figure out the best course of success for you and for your business and for everybody that's involved. And Mia, you are right. We do like the word fire on the show, but it's to get you fired up, not to get you fired. So I totally get that little reference there. But what I want to do, Mia, is challenge you to just in one sentence, sum that up for us. Like, What was your worst moments takeaway, that lesson learned that you want to make sure our listeners get? The takeaway is when you are bringing on your first hire, make sure that this person is someone that you could also feel comfortable letting go when the time is right. Let's talk about one of the greatest ideas that you've had today, Mia. You've had a lot of aha moments, but take us to one aha moment. Tell us that story. Take us through the process of you actually having that idea, but then turning it into success. (laughs) Well, I'd say the aha moment I keep going back to all originated in a bathroom. In fact, it was a bathroom brawl of sorts. I was a TV anchor um, for several years. And through that position, I had access to some of the best skincare products. And my husband, who's very much your guy's guy, so he's not metrosexual, but he's not your average Joe. Like he cares what he looks like, but he's not vain or obsessed, was doing a couple interesting things that would cause me to have minor meltdowns in my bathroom. The first is he would dip his finger into my, you know, $80 plus, you know, SPF moisture. <laughs> Moisturizer, or he would dip his fingers into my eye cream. And that was agitating because all the females out there know that women's products are up to five times as expensive than men's. And so then I would buy him male only products and then he would use those products. And then when they would run out, he would go back to my products, which again would agitate me. And the scientist in me knew that, you know, men and women have very different types of skin. Uh, men's skin is just oilier, thicker, coarser, more prone to ingrown hairs and breakouts. So fundamentally, they need to be using products suited for that type of skin, not female-only products. In fact, using female-only products is you're doing yourself no disservice. And so I quickly realized that I was the gatekeeper to my husband's skin and that he was not, number one, going to replenish his own products because he was too, like, he's not going to go into a Dwayne Reed or a Walgreens. He's just not that type of person. And like, he'd rather shoot himself than go into a Sephora. (laughs) Whereas I like view Sephora as like, you know, my own like mini bookstore haven. Um, He does not view it that way. And so I decided to leave my job to launch Wars and Alps and to create these products for guys with the idea that, you know, women are very influential in the purchasing. Um, You know, they either introduce or influence that behavior. Most guys will say, you know, I bought this because either my girlfriend had bought it for me prior to this or, you know, my mom told me to do it or, you know, it works on her. So I decided I would give it a try. Uh, And, you know, the idea that guys don't want to shop, so having it all online was something that we decided to do. The convenience was another aspect. So we have a solid face wash. Uh, We're the only men's grooming brand to have this. And that came out of just talking to like thousands of guys who said, it sucks when I 
take my face wash or any of my washes and it like explodes in my suitcase or my carry-on. Like that's just an awful experience. And so we said, hey, look, let's make it travel friendly. I love all of that. But the biggest question I keep coming back to is, I think it's a phenomenal name, but how'd you come up with Oars and Alps? Oars and Alps originated from the fact that my husband, Sasha, is a competitive rower. So that's where Oars comes from. And Alps comes from the fact that both my husband and Laura's husbands are avid snowboarders and skiers. So Oars and Alps, we wanted to create a year-round skincare line for guys who lead this very active, on-the-go life. So Mia, you obviously have a lot of things to be excited about right now, but I'm kind of curious, what are you most fired up about within your business? Like what gets you up in the morning just on fire? I'm fired up about Christmas. (laughs) Yes. I'm serious because, you know, like this whole concept for retailers, this whole Christmas in July phenomenon is so real. We start thinking about Christmas in the holiday season, uh, all the holidays that happen in December you know, months and months in advance. And so I'm really excited about some of the gift boxes and the gift sets we're going to have out. We're going to have several new products. And so that's what really gets me out of bed now is, you know, thinking about how we're going to like really sizzle it up um, for the holidays. Now, for those listeners who are thinking about the physical product world, like what's maybe one piece of advice? You know, don't go into a long spiel, but just maybe one thing that you feel like was interesting that you, you've learned throughout this process that maybe kind of surprised you a little bit. I'd say the thing that I learned the most is that you're never going to nail it the first time. And you're probably not going to nail it the second time, but that shouldn't deter you from putting a product into the market. The product doesn't have to be perfect. It should be pretty damn near close to it, but allow room for not only improvements that are probably obvious that you just didn't get a chance to do, but also to listen to your community. You know, we've got a great group of active um, members of our product development team. They're all customers who are very, you know, avid fans or who've said, hey, look, this hasn't worked for me, but if you do this and this and tweak it this way, I think I would be a customer. And we listen to them. This is not, um, you know, two female founders in an ivory castle building something (laughs) top bottom. This is very much uh, a great Around swelling of information and conversations with customers and sometimes people that we would love to be customers who just aren't and getting advice and getting input and creating something for them. Yeah, I think that's really important to think about Fire Nation because so many business owners and physical product creators spend so much time on these features that end up being not a big deal to the consumer, not a big deal to the person who's making that final buying decision, and sometimes even a negative. And so you just kind of get that product out there that's really good, that has the core features, but don't feel like you need all the bells and whistles of what you're envisioning until you get it out there, get that initial feedback, and then you can say, okay, this is the direction we're going to move forward now that we have some real customer, real feedback. Now, Mia's been dropping value bombs. We're going to keep those up in the lightning round when we get back from thanking our sponsors. If you've ever thought about owning a franchise, then you're not alone. But have you ever thought about owning a children's services franchise? If you love music, then School of Rock is a children's services franchise you should definitely check out. School of Rock owners love their business because they get to pass the torch of musicality to the new generation of musicians within their community and operate a profitable business at the same time. School of Rock is a network of over 200 locations and 25,000 students worldwide. The program gets kids up on stage and playing at real rock venues in addition to taking them on tour, offering recording opportunities and having them workshop with accomplished musicians 
Entrepreneur Magazine even named School of Rock 2017's number one child enrichment program. Want to learn more? School of Rock has put together an exclusive download just for you. Visit franchising.schoolofrock.com. Contact the School of Rock team and tell them Entrepreneurs on Fire sent you. That's franchising.schoolofrock.com. If you're not much of a designer but are looking for ideas for your next logo, website design, or even your new business cards, then DesignCrowd can help. DesignCrowd gives you access to over 550,000 creative minds from around the world who will help you come up with your next design. Plus, DesignCrowd makes it super simple. All you have to do is submit your brief, and then designers will begin submitting quality designs for you to review, provide some constructive feedback, and you can quickly generate multiple designs that you love and that fit your needs Why pay expensive fees and wait weeks for an agency to pitch an idea where you can have exactly what you need within just three days? DesignCrowd is so confident that if you don't like any of the submitted designs, they'll give you your money back. Visit designcrowd.com slash fire for a special $100 VIP offer for Fire Nation. That's D-E-S-I-G-N-C-R-O-W-D dot com slash fire. Mia, are you ready to rock the lightning rounds? Oh, yeah. I am ready to do this. (laughs) What was holding you back from becoming an entrepreneur? (laughs) No more hair and makeup every morning. (laughs) No, I used to get blowouts every morning. Wow. And I thought, gosh, if I leave this, you know, it's going to be a scary for anyone who sees me. Um, No. Okay, look. The, the startup life is just, it's not easy. It's not glamorous. Not that TV was easy or glamorous, but, um, you know, at least I look good doing it every day. Here, it's like, you know, there are days where you're just like rolling it, you know, your sleeves and you're just like knocking it out and you're, it's long days. It's not easier to leave a corporate environment um, to, to do something like that. So that was definitely a big concern for me. 100%. I'm being honest. What is the best piece of advice you've ever received? Gosh, you know that creeping feeling that you're wasting your time? Well, I have learned and the advice I got was that creeping feeling is a lagging indicator. So once you already sense that you're wasting your time, you've already sacrificed <laughs> a lot. And you need, you should become very attuned to how you manage your time. I think that's really, really important. So understanding what you should say yes to and what you should say no to. Fire Nation, pay attention to lagging indicators. And Mia, <laughs> what's a personal habit that contributes to your success? I do think that it's important to start your day with gratitude and also to end your day with gratitude. Uh, I think that there are many days where, you know, it's going to hit the fan. Am I allowed to say that? And (laughs) (laughs) sorry. And you just have to be very nimble and understand that whatever you're doing, you're always building these brain muscles, right? Some of the skills that you need as a founder, as a small business owner, as a startup employee, as a mother, are all of those are really strengthened with time, with practice. So don't be discouraged if someone says no, and don't be discouraged by failure. Recommend one internet resource. The one that I use, you're going to laugh at me, is, um, well, there's two. The one is SoundSleeper, and it's an app. And I love listening to white noise when I'm just looking to just chill or if I'm trying to go to sleep. And my favorite, they have this one of the mountain river. They also have the ocean. The other one I'll recommend is ewg.org. And at ewg.org, the environmental working group, you can get a good idea of all the good and bad ingredients that are in your skincare products. 
they have a database called Skin Deep, and they rank it from one to ten. So anything you know below five is pretty good. One to three is really really good, and anything kind of like over eight is like toxic, yes. carcinogenic. You're going to get cancer. Um, and you know we've really pride ourselves on keeping everything below four on that EWG scale. And I think it's important to know not necessarily not only what you're putting into your body when you're eating the organic and natural foods, but also what you're putting on your skin. Your skin is your largest organ. Recommend one book and share why. I just recently read The Happiness Project by Gretchen Rubin. And it's an interesting book because it's a woman who on the surface you would think should be really freaking happy. You know, she's lives in New York City. She's married. She has a successful career. She's got kids. um, Yet she doesn't feel happy for a variety of reasons. And so over the course of the next year, she decides to spend one month doing something that will really, really make her happy and only just really focus on that. And it talks through kind of just what she's learned as a person. I think it's interesting because, you know, when I look at people who are unhappy, they usually fall into a category of people, you know, oh my gosh, they're like, in a war in Syria, or, you know, these people are homeless on the street. And then when I hear people talk about how they're unhappy, and I look at them, and they're making, you know, like over like $250,000, and they've got a great house, a great car, I never, it's really hard to understand um, why they're unhappy. But I think different levels of unhappiness, obviously, is very, very personal. And what's nice about the Happiness Project is it kind of takes you through how someone who looks like on the surface they could have it all uh, really don't have it all and how important it is to recognize that the end goal is not actually happiness. Mia, I want to end today on fire with you giving us a parting piece of guidance, the best way that we can connect with you, and then we'll say goodbye. You have to make sure that you understand that there's never a good time for anything. There's never a good time to start a business. There's never a good time to get divorced. There's never a good time to have kids. There's never a good time to go through IVF. There's never a good time to ask for that raise. There's never a good time for pretty much anything. And so a lot of the onus is on you to just do it. Everything is manageable. You can figure out what the fallout is going to be like if you quit your job or get divorced or ask for a promotion, but you just got to do it. Um, so that's my advice. And if you want to reach me, I'm at Twitter at, at Mia Saini. Um, that's M-I-A-S-A-I-N-I. And you can also reach us on Instagram and on Twitter at Oars and Alps. So Oars as in rowing and Alps as in mountains. Oars and Alps. Go check them out, Fire Nation. And you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. You've been hanging out with MD and JLD today. So keep up the heat and head over to eofire.com. Just type Mia in the search bar and her show notes page will pop up with everything that we've been talking about today. These are the best show notes in the biz. Timestamps, links galore. And Mia, I want to thank you for sharing your journey with Fire Nation today. For that, we salute you and we'll catch you on the flip side. Oh, hey, John, I totally forgot. I want to hook up all of the listeners. We've got, a, we've got a great deal. 15% off if you go to oarsandalps.com and you enter FIRE as the code. Yes, oarsandalps.com, promo code FIRE, FIRE Nation, and we'll catch you on the flip side. Hey, Fire Nation, hope you enjoyed our chat with Mia today. And productivity, discipline, focus, those are my three greatest strengths, and they can be yours too. Simply visit themasteryjournal.com. Master all three skills in 100 days. I'll catch you there, Fire Nation, or I will catch you on the flip side.